We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United one relegation threatened 10-man Fulham one. It's in James's Park and a good week or what was promised not threatening to be a good week after last week's win against West Brom is turning or turned unbelievably sour as Newcastle once again, I'll use the word like I used on Twitter, I thought Newcastle put in a shameful performance um, against Fulham. you got myself, Alex Hurst, you got Norman Riley, Ben Wade, Simon Campbell to talk through the game, what went right, if anything, what went wrong and you know why Newcastle United continue to put in these kind of performances and why the manager keeps seeming to suggest that the only issue is we didn't play very well. Um, when you break it down like that, he's right. That is the issue. And we've got a massive game at Brentford uh, on Tuesday, 6pm tea time in front of the nation for a spot in the League Cup semi-final. We might talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, although we do have a full preview of that game for parents, including Norman's chat with it, with his pal, who's a, a Brentford fan. But we're going to talk about Newcastle United v Fulham. Norman, 1-1, do you think it was a fair result? Well, it's difficult to say who deserved to win because despite the fact that Fulham looked in control for most of the game, they didn't really create many clear-cut chances. I thought it was a, a very flat, dull game between two very poor sides, only that Fulham were better, which doesn't say very much about Newcastle last night or in general. I think... It's one of those games that neither side deserved to win and both sides can deserve to lose because they were both really bad. I mean, it, it's, it would be easy to see our Fulham dominated the game. They were a much better side. I mean, I don't necessarily think that they were. They were very um, quite comfortable on the ball. But as I say, they didn't have much in the way of cutting edge. I mean, Mitrovic was absolutely terrible for them. Uh, they didn't look sharp up front at all. They, they were just a lot better than we were. I mean, a lot better in midfield. Um, so we like it's like we didn't deserve to we didn't deserve to lose, but at the same time it's almost like we didn't deserve a draw. It's like well, like it's in it was in between like getting a point and not getting a point. It should have been half a point basically. It was a, a, a miserable and very miserable game. So I to answer your question, I can't. <laughs> no, I, I think it is. It's a fair result based on the performance of the two teams. I think that's what you've pretty much said, Norman. Yeah. Uh, we were terrible, but uh, I mean they're they're. Goal was basically we scored it for them. Uh, one of the most hilarious own goals I've ever seen, by the way. We'll, we'll come back to that. But uh, I uh, and our, our penalty was 
I, I mean, for, Wilson should have got one the other day, so I suppose it's even itself out. But um, that I, that's not a pen for me. So we've, we've been very lucky to to get back in the game at that point, and that was the only way we're getting back in the game. We did not look like like breaking them down or scoring any other way. So we probably didn't even deserve a point. But I, I think you're right in your assessment that it was two bad teams and a draw probably was the fairest result for that game of football, which was terrible. Ben, your thoughts on that one, mate? Are you agreeing with the two lads there? Yeah, it's as as I said, um, I don't think they really created any real chances where they deserved a goal. I mean, the the, the goal is comical that it's it's come off Richie. I don't really know what he's trying to do there. Um, it just completely catches him off off sort of off guard um, and hits him slap in the face and goes in. Um, <laughs> so it's a it's a terrible goal to concede. Um, but uh, as as I say, I think it would have been a travesty if we'd have lost that game. Um, I, I think we it's it's it is difficult because I think it, it's one of those where it just had nil nil written all over it. it two two sides lacking any real quality. Um, I think the changes that Bruce had made didn't really um, make sort of improve us uh, from from say last last week's. Um, I mean, Yedlin coming into play in his his favoured position at right back. Um, I mean, I've never really been a massive fan of his, but I, I don't uh, I don't necessarily think um, he came in and played any better than Murphy did last week. You know what I mean? And, and for a uh, sort of a specialist right back, you'd you'd, you'd expect that. Um, and just the I, I just think the for, the formation with with Almiron and um, Joe Linton, it just it just didn't quite um, it just didn't quite sort of uh, link link up. Um, and and I thought it was yeah it was probably our, our worst performance in terms of attack and play that we've had for a little little while. Norman, do you know what it was indicative of to me? The golden class between teams in the Premier League. So you think Fulham have put in some decent performances? I think the the last two nil at Man City they weren't that bad. I mean Man City were in control, got a good result against Liverpool, beat Leicester away. But what it suggests is, is actually what you're seeing in those games isn't necessarily what Fulham are. It is the players just raising their game massively against these superior sides. And so there's a kind of a levelling off. But when two sides like Newcastle and Fulham play each other, you kind of really see how poor they actually are because they don't, neither of them needs to raise their game because they're kind of on a level. And yet what you actually see is how, how low in quality both sides are. And I think there's probably what, at least 10 teams in the league that are on that level and the, the gap between that kind of top five, top six and that bottom 10 is just absolutely huge and I think last night was indicative of it. Like, you think that game is representative of the quality of the Premier League getting pumped around the world. What does it tell you about the quality of the Premier League? Well, it tells you that actually if you watch Leicester Tottenham this afternoon, you're probably going to see two completely different games and two side, uh, four sides that are so different to each other. Um, it was, yeah, for me, it was just indicative of how, how bad both sides are. Yeah, it's a it's a great point, Norman. I think, as as you say, teams, I, I don't necessarily even think that they raise the game. I just think it's a it's a more straightforward game when when they play the top teams. They're pretty much just going to defend, and most coaches and and teams at this level should be able to put a, a rigid structure together to to limit space, sort of try and neutralise um, teams. And and I think because of that, they they look better because they're doing something that's kind of basic and and they're not asked to do anything. Um, sort of a bit special or or sort of um, imaginative to to try and break teams down, and I, I think as we've we've seen it a number of times. I mean, um, as as you say, when that sort of top the the bottom ten teams play each other, 
you often get these drab drab games. I mean, we've we've mentioned loads in the past that your, your Huddersfield and Brighton games and Palace games and things like that. When when two teams that don't want to have all the ball um, come together, they they just lack any sort of um, ingenuity to to create any sort of special special play. And and I think that's why you get these games where. Um, it's kind of just if if a team makes a mistake, like both teams did this weekend, and that's where you get the goals from. Otherwise, the kind of the two teams just just have a basically a, a standoff where um, you, you end up with these really poor games and in, in very little quality. I'll uh, I'll disagree with you all. I thought Fulham deserved to win the game. I think <laughs> Fulham are the only team that tries to pass the ball into the final third. Had runners beyond the ball. Got men in the box, uh, got men ahead of the ball, even with ten men. Um, and we got our penalty and ultimately game-saving and face-saving goal because Fulham were attacking and trying to score a second goal. And I respect the fact that just like against West Brom the previous week, me and Sai sat there saying to each other, "It's half time. He's got to change something here. Something's got to change. They've got to come out better than this." And the other teams start the second half better. And it was the same. I think Scott Park has gone in and told them. The kind of thing that we never ever see from Steve Bruce Newcastle. He's gone in and told them to score a second goal. Now it didn't happen, but that intent alone for me, the fact that Fulham actually turned up and participated in the game of football or tried to drive one, you know, even with 10 men, they look more likely to score. And I agree with you is that a bit like West Brom as well, the previous week, and a bit like when we played Everton a little while ago, Carl Darla wasn't really tested. He hasn't, he, you know, we've won a lot of points this season off of the back of Carl Darla's hard work. It wasn't, last night wasn't one of those nights. But I genuinely think that that Fulham, if you look at those two teams there, I cannot, there cannot be an argument that Newcastle United are a better side than Fulham. Now, you could say, you could argue, we all have off, off days, Fulham have won at Leicester. They should have won at West Ham. They possibly should have beat Liverpool. But they started that game in the relegation zone. Just like on Wednesday when we played a side who were below us in the league, it's almost inconceivable that anyone can make the argument that Newcastle United are superior in any way to those sides. I'll tell you how Newcastle are superior to, the, to those sides. The goalkeeper's better and maybe the centre-backs are better. That's it. And the striker. Say that again, mate? And the striker. And Yeah, and the striker. Um, and I just, think, I, just, I just think about Newcastle United now. For Fulham to have, I think it ended up being 65% possession in the first half. But it was at about 40 minutes or 38 minutes. Fulham had had 70% of the ball at St. James's Park. It's almost like Fulham won't have dominated possession as much against any team in the championship. It just it just wouldn't have happened. Games, games don't go like that. If um Kettering Town go to play Fulham or, or play Fulham in the FA Cup or, or pick any kind of team from the conference play Fulham, they would not be as passive. It just wouldn't happen. And why wouldn't they be as passive? Because if you're gonna give any team 70% of the ball in your own stadium, you're doing one of two things. You're either sitting deep, hoping to keep them the pot shots outside of the box and, and force them out wide uh, for across the ball. But that, that wasn't the plan. That wasn't Newcastle's plan. That's Newcastle's plan wasn't a frustrate Fulham and on the counter-attack. There simply wasn't a plan. So what we're seeing is the product of months. Well, how long has he been here now? 18 months or something like that? This is the product of 18 months of like no plan. This is the product of 18 months of picking, like yesterday, for, um, two new fullbacks and two new wingers. It's not a team. How, 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 are you supposed, how are you supposed to play like that? If you're Sean Longstaff, and Sean Longstaff didn't have a good game. He was he was terrible, in fact. 
Be a short long staff. You played in the same team. On Wednesday, he's got Jacob Murphy and, and Henrik. Now he's got DeAndre Yedlin and Matt Ritchie, but DeAndre Yedlin for most of the game is more advanced than Matt Ritchie in attacking position. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any there isn't any it's not some like it's not some plan that's like badly enacted or badly enforced. There isn't a plan. Um and Norman, you picked up on and I'd like you to go into now if you can. Like we, we analyze all these things the managers say because you're looking for some clue. You're looking for some sort of like, right, well, this went wrong, but they've identified it and it's gonna go right. What did you take from Steve Bruce's comments after the game? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll talk briefly on what you said there about the plan. Now, my, my brother, after about 20 minutes, messaged me and he said, he, basically the message was, what is this? And I replied, I said, I, I said, I genuinely would love to know what, what is said to the players. Like, you know, like before the match when a manager, I suppose, gives a pep talk and then does it at half time as well. For that performance that we saw last night from Newcastle, like, as you see, it, it, it wasn't a planned performance, was it? There was no like, it, there was nothing that suggested that this was actually meant to happen. What what Newcastle were doing was meant to be. What was you know, it was what was wanted. So you're thinking like, how how can we play that badly? What what is it that's being said for us to to play that badly? And it's obviously, as you see, it, it's it's because there is there isn't a plan, is there? It doesn't. Well, it doesn't. It, we don't get the impression that, that there's a plan. It's more. It looked to me like a case of. There are players on the pitch. There's the team I've selected. Get out there and play football. A bit like, I suppose, Harry Redknapp did back in 2010-11-12 when you had basically Bale, Modric and Van der Vaart. You know, like, you just like just go and play football, lads. Cheers. No, Bale, Modric and Van der Vaart. I think you could probably get away with that to a certain extent. Um, at Newcastle, that's not, probably not going to be the case. Um, and I think we've got like a little insight into that lack of planning um, or let's say a not very in-depth plan when at the end of the game the BBC interviewed Bruce Match of the Day, um, Ian Dennis O'Brown, or he's called the, the Geordie lad, I think he's from Hexham. Um, he asked him when Fulham went down to 10 men, do you, would you like to see a bit more attacking, attacking intent from your side? And Bruce replied, Yeah, I've got that written down, yeah. We had every attacking player on the pitch. You think, well, that's all fine and well, but just throwing players on the pitch doesn't necessarily mean magic's going to happen. Like, no, if, you, if you're if you Jose Mourinho and you're Spurs, right, and you're a goal dune, or you're one all against 10 men, and you bring on Gareth Bale, magic might happen then. As much as I love Dwight Gale, I don't think Dwight Gale's going to come on the pitch without any kind of instructions, without anyone behind him playing with any kind of instructions, and just magic something out of thin air. But it's like, all right, I'll just chuck, I'll chuck five attackers on, we'll probably score. I didn't think it works like that in Newcastle. No. I think um, I think Dodds, you mentioned it before that that game played out for me exactly like the West Brom game did. Uh, we started again, you know, at home to a, a really poor, out of form. I mean, I, I Fulham have been a little bit better recently, but they're still rubbish. Um, we're at home to a, a newly promoted side who should be terrifying to come to St James's Park and playing against what is a good squad of good good footballers. And instead, they've come and they just looked so shocked to have so much of the ball at first half. They didn't know what to do with it, and we we were commenting as the game went on like. They're not really sure what to do with all this possession, but they will figure it out eventually. And they just they, they grew in confidence, just like West Brom did. They grew in confidence as the game went on, and by half time they were the much better side. And um, I don't know if anyone's seen Paul Dummett commented that uh, that apparently Steve Bruce uh, gave the lads a bit of a bollock at half time and said they were poor. 
I mean, they said it hasn't worked, but um, like you say, they, 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 they were better again, second half. The only difference was, and I, I still don't think the West Brom game was a good performance. I think we got very lucky. I think um, that goal that, that Gale scores, you don't get many of them, and that was never going to happen again this week. And I think I said after that game, hoying Dwight Gale on for the last 20 minutes every week isn't going to get you many results. And it and it, it it's got us a point here somehow, but it's... Um, it's the same thing we're seeing over and over. Um, and the other comment that Bruce made in his um, post-match was about us trying to find consistency. What the fuck does he mean? You've got to you've got to play well to then be able to talk about being able to play well consistently. You, you can't talk about consistency if you never play well. Or is that what he means? I mean, we've been very consistently shit all season, so it just it doesn't make any sense. And it's it's, it's really really getting annoying. Like annoying is not the right word. It's Painful, painful. Aye. The, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Dumitzi and that they got a, a 10 and off at half-time. Now, it's all fine and well getting a 10 and off at half-time, right? But imagine if you're on your job and you go into the job and you're not doing very well. You're, you're, not, giving, you're not giving any instructions before you get get into the job. Then you just go and do your job. And then you don't do it very well because you've got no instructions. And then halfway through, your gaffer comes in and starts screaming in your face because you're not doing your job very well. But then he doesn't tell you what he wants you to do in the second half. So you just let him continue doing the same job. And then he screams at you again at the end. It's going to be a perpetual state of confusion. So, yes, telling players off, screaming at them is all fine and well, but surely you must reflect on that and go, actually, hold on, maybe I should give some guidance here before I start screaming in people's faces, unless he is giving them guidance and they're just absolutely 100% not doing anything that he's saying. But I'm, I'm sceptical that that's the case. Yeah, um, that was you've, you've took the words out of my mouth a little bit more because I was going to say... Dummett saying they got they got you know they got a bollocking at half time. So, like you said, Sai, surely it's, it's even more worrying for the manager that the second half continued as the first half had started. It had absolutely no impact. Like I, I look at Newcastle United and I look at the performances yesterday, the performances all season. What what did we do badly yesterday that like you say, Sai, that like what what was the aspiration? Because I don't know, and I'm, and I'm not being like deliberately vague here. I don't know how we're trying to play, and I'm someone like a lot of people watching this who's probably watched every single game this season, watched every single game last season under this manager. What is the plan? You know, Newcastle United against Fulham. There, what what can you do? Okay, well you can press. We don't press. We've never pressed under Steve Bruce. So if you don't press the ball, you know your starting positions are important. Um, how how high a line you play is important. The gaps between your lines between the middle. Uh, the, the defense and the forwards that's important, but but all I can see is that if you come to St. James's Park, no matter who you are, if you want the ball and if you want the ball to have the ball now a half, then you allowed it because we're not going to press you. I pointed out to you, Sai, that after Fulham had gone down to 10 men, Almiron clearly took it upon himself to start pressing. Um, he pressed the player who passed it around him, and Matt Ritchie was on. I don't know why they were so close to each other. Matt Ritchie was the player close to him. Um, Miguel Almiron turned round, saw that Richie hadn't pressed the player and did like a little like spin and jump in frustration of like, fuck's sake, man. Like, why aren't you pressing that player? Now, that, that like, I mean, and you sign and people watching probably noticed that. Like, that shouldn't happen at this level. You shouldn't have one professional, like, unbelievably frustrated at, at another that they're, 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 they're trying to enact two completely different game plans. It doesn't. It's it's not sensible and it's not right. And you know what, Norman and lads, Norman, you might remember better than the lads. But um, you know what, 
this reminds me of. This reminds me of Graham Souness. This the 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 lack of a plan, the the lack of of knowing what to do, where to stand, where to be, the lack of any identity. It just reminds me of of, of Newcastle and the Graham Souness. And Bruce to me is the most loathed manager at Newcastle since Souness, because fans and, and a lot of fans, people we speak to, uh, who've been going for a lot of years, just start getting so like like everyone has to be aware that this is it. There isn't. I said it before. There isn't a magic training session where it all clicks because there's nothing to click into. Like you say, Norman, he says, well, we'll have all the attacking players on the pitch. Well, if I'm if I'm a player, or, or even as a fan, I'll say, here's what you could have done, Steve. You get all the attacking players on the pitch, and then you tell your centre-backs and your full-backs to squeeze up right to the halfway line. You tell your full-back not to worry about getting back. They've got 10 men. Push right up. And you know what happened? It happened on one side with Yedlin, and it didn't happen on the other with, with Paul Paul Dummett and DeAndre um, and Matt Ritchie when he dropped back to left-back. So you've got two possibilities Number one, the players aren't following the manager's instructions because Yedlin's pushing up high and Dummett and Richie aren't. So one, why is that happening and why isn't it rectified? Or number two, the manager, the, the player who is not following the instruction is in fact DeAndre Yedlin, in which case, why hasn't that instruction been given to, to both players? So it's like what we're seeing, what we're witnessing unfolding is, is, is probably a lack of professionalism and it's a lack of decent people uh, not decent people. That's, I don't mean that. I mean uh, qualified people to manage these players at this level. We're, we're seeing a lack of it, and you saw it with Graham Souness. There's a reason Graham Souness hasn't hasn't um, managed since. I was thinking about some comparison games. You know, last week's game against West Brom when we played really badly, but we got the win. Mass. It was like, and I called it on last week's podcast. We had a bit of a disagreement. So I said it was a massive win at the start of a massive week that Bruce needed to do really well in. Reminding me of when we beat Bruce's Birmingham um, under Stunes and Emery scores um, late on with a with a mistake I think from the Birmingham keeper um, and you know it's just it's one of those performances where it didn't lead to anything. Stunes got sacked. You won the game. You're relieved. You're like, well, now we can kick on from here. But ultimately, because there was nothing there, because there was no coaching ability there, we didn't we didn't end up going anywhere. We didn't end up doing anything. And I, and I I'm sad to say that I think I think this is the case now. And you look, 18 points from 13 games after the performances is is, is near miraculous. Um, you look at the next three, you can't see any points there. I'd love to be wrong, but I can't see any anything other than capitulations. Um, and then you know, besides Sheffield United and maybe Crystal Palace, I think in the next 10 games, eight of the next 10 Premier League games you look at, you'd think guaranteed defeats. So it's a really really damaging performance, damaging result yesterday. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to chip in on anything that I've said. Are there, are there any other points to make on any of that? I'll move quickly on. I mean, it's interesting. Just the only thing I would say is, is I think the players have to take a bit of responsibility as well because I do think there was a few people way below par. Um, as I mentioned, um, Almiron and Joe Linton didn't didn't have good games. Um, I think even yeah. Wilson. I, I think. Yeah. He, Sorry, to interrupt. But Almiron, Almiron didn't have a good game. Like, can can you tell me what the the purpose of um, Miguel Almiron is playing as a winger in a four four two? Because I can I would say yeah. before before the game, I'd say, like he, he, to me, Miguel Almiron thrives in the middle of the pitch. He's fast. Anything he's done for Newcastle nearly has been positive. Has been done in the middle of the pitch. It's been done in the penalty area. When have you seen Miguel Almiron as the player to be whipping balls in the box for Callum Wilson to be beating the man? Why? It's just it's just like. I just I want to go back to your point. I'm just saying, like considering that Jacob Murphy comes on and puts a great ball in, 
then he gets played right back, and then he gets played, then he gets dropped. Yeah, like it doesn't. There's no logic behind any of that. It's just turn up on the fucking day, right? How's he doing? Speak to speak to the Steves. How's he got on? How's he holding up? Right, we'll play him. We'll play him. You you cannot go. You cannot have three games in a week. And we'll, we'll criticize Bruce before for lack of rotation. So I'm being slightly hypocritical here. But you don't have to ro- rotate whole sides of the pitch. We've changed completely. Changed from West Brom to Fulham to sorry from West Brom at least to Fulham. It, it's like it's three different teams. It's how is Callum Wilson supposed to react or supposed to link up with his wingers when his wingers range from Jeff Hendrick, Jacob Murphy, Miguel Almiron, um, Matt Ritchie. The, the, it, I can't believe what I'm saying, but the, so anyway, back to your point. You know, you said no, you're, I, 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 come, I, I agree with you. I think it's a difficult one because we don't know. For example, um, obviously we've had three three games where. Um, in, in, in a week where we don't know how much, for example, the, the COVID impact has had in terms of players' fitness and things like that. So, for example, um, obviously Hayden didn't start the game as they came off the bench, I'm assuming, because it, they talked about him being one of the ones that was quite quite badly impacted by it. Um, so th- there's an element there where I think Bruce is trying to freshen things up by giving Yedlin, he's, I think that was his first start of the season, um, well, and yeah. thinking, you are sorry? It was. Yeah, and 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 he was obviously brought in for for his pace to try and um, pin pin back uh, in in combat. Lookman, I think, who is one of their danger players, uh, and it's it's a case of putting a pacey player in there to to try and uh, combat that and maybe push them back a bit. Um, you're you're right. It's 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 hard because, as you say, we don't know if he has got a plan, and is it the players aren't aren't putting it forward? I just think. There, there was a few players out there that I, I think he probably would have expected more from, and and as you say, he's he's, he's probably playing armor on out of position. But again, it's it's Fulham; they're not a great team. I would expect quality players still to be able to to create create a bit more than they did. And there's there's probably a lot of things going going into that performance yesterday. But um, I just think that a few of the players let themselves down as well. Yeah, I think um, the. We, we were all quite pleased to see two fullbacks playing at fullback at the start of the game. But like you say, Dodds, it's, it doesn't work when you've just changed the whole setup. And, and like you say, Almiron suddenly playing the left-hand side of a 4-4-2 just in front of Paul Dummett, who hasn't kicked the ball all season. What, what, what was the thinking there? What did he think was going to happen? Dummett was never, ever, ever... Gonna, this is, we're, we're at home, and 4-4-2 is fine if you've got... If, you've got, if you're planning to at least apply some pressure... You know, everyone should know their job and you should be able to get your fullbacks involved in the game as you pen them back in their own half. Obviously, that didn't happen. You're right. Um, Yedlin did give us a bit of pace and he did get the overlap. And like you say, was often the only attacking fit on our right-hand side because Richie just just can't get him down the pitch anymore. He looked really, really, I, I hate to say it, old. He looked he looked past it yesterday, Matt Richie. Um, but Dummett was never going to get round uh, Almiron. So Almiron was already playing against a winger and a fullback by himself. So he's being asked to beat two men and then try and find Joe Linton, who doesn't move, and Callum Wilson, who, to be fair, had an off day as well. Um, so it just, it's all just chaos. It's absolute chaos, right? You've got some fullbacks in, great. But I'm also going to just mess around with the whole team and just just hoy bodies in. And, and I mean, Joe Linton, as we've said, is, is the only good performances have come as part of a front two with, with Wilson, but they've been just marginally better than shite performances and this was just him back to back to type he's never actually had a, 
a good game for us and it was just another painful pain like too many people had a bad game and uh I could list the whole squad really and I thought Longstaff and Shelby were a disgrace of a midfield in this game they were so slow they were so lethargic we had no urgency whenever we got the ball it was just shy poor uncreative passes in our own half going back to fullbacks passing a ball to them and watching them have to turn around and go back it was just so uninspiring and Yes, Ben, I have to believe that COVID might have a, a little bit of an impact here because of how off the pace we looked. But I also just don't think the desire is there. I think this team has stopped giving a shit, and I think that was starting to be really evident. The problem I have with this argument, sorry, Norman, I'll, I'll let you come in after this. The problem I have with this argument is fine. People want to say, you know, we've been unlucky or COVID, it's something that Steve Bruce couldn't control. It's affected the players. All right, what was what was the excuse against Brighton? At home, because I saw the same performance there. Yeah, I don't know, Brighton, I don't know whether Brighton have lost to Sheffield United today, but two one one scored last week. I think. But once again, it's another team that are below us. Even if you think we're the fourteenth best team in the division, Brighton are another team below us who who came up against that version of Newcastle United yesterday, and and essentially just you know like swatted us off with ease. The difference between like yesterday. And, and Brighton is is Brighton got the second goal really quickly. You probably got the second goal yesterday. It's another it's another Brighton, and, and I don't think I'm too far fetched in saying that in terms of how the game went. And even if you blame COVID, and even if you blame the players, players had an off day. Why does it keep happening then? Why do we keep see see that performance yesterday? Isn't a million miles away from what we saw at Spurs? Seventy percent possession for Spurs, complete control, complete territorial advantage. Why do we? If you're a player, I don't understand how what you can do differently. If you're told not to press, and Chris Woff, the athletic who's been on the show recently, did a piece of the athletic where he, he he reckoned, or the people that he works with reckoned, Newcastle press less than 91 other clubs in the football league. That that, that in itself, there are teams, by the way, that don't press or don't press very much. That can be good, but that in itself means that the opposition players, and it, I said this on the preview we did for this and Patreon about the Leeds game. Leeds went into their game, okay. Lacking in confidence, hadn't won at home in the league since the opening day of the season. Uh, hadn't had won one of the last six in the Premier League. And it's, it, I mentioned this before in the podcast last season when Norwich come to St James's Park, haven't won since Christmas or something like that in February, the coming February, conceding goals for fun, defenders under pressure. It's all right though, because come to St James's Park or you play Newcastle United home away, you have as much time on the ball as you want that. You want to get five or six touches an hour half? You want to run you want to run the length of the pitch without a tackle being put in? All we do is breed confidence in other footballers. All we do is give other footballers the confidence to say, you know what, you, you want to get the ball in. You want you you know Matt Phillips struggling with West Brom this season looks you know look like Lewis Figo against Newcastle. Whitman <laughs> ball in left, right and centre and they want to put a tackle in. Um it's just we, we are so easy to play against and, and this is back to Ben's point. I can't, like, good performance, bad performance from players. Wilson has an off day, Wilson has an on day. I don't know what he does unless there is a team ethic and a team plan to, to like, either press the ball or play counter-attacking football properly or take up positions or know where to stand or do these kind of things. You're just going to see that, that like, that is us. That isn't us on an off day. That isn't us, you know, your, your brother's saying, Norman, what, what is this? This is us. This is Newcastle United under Steve Bruce, and we're going to see this performance over and over again. And we might get... Sheffield United turn up at St James's Park and we might turn them over or St Maximan might have a really good game when we play Palace at home. 
and we can win a game. But but th- like this is the template for Steve Bruce's Newcastle United. When he, I believe him. I think I'm I'm guilty of of doing too much analysis on what Steve Bruce says because when he comes out and says, "Well, we haven't played well enough. We haven't played well enough again. We haven't kept the ball well enough." It, to me, it's saying, yes, I'm fine with having 30 to 40% possess, possession against these sides as long as we keep the ball a bit better. That is literally what he's saying. That is the plan. There isn't some sort of like, you know, next week we're going to turn out against um, Leicester and press them and try and get try and win the ball and try and get turnovers in midfield and try and play counter-attack. It's just not going to happen. Normally, you want to make a point and then say. I think you more or less said everything I was going to say there better than I would have done. But just to, to add on to that, yes, how can COVID be... How can the club that's gone through the club over the last couple of weeks have any impact on that performance? When that performance yesterday was actually just typical of the majority of the performances that we've had under Steve Bruce, it was. It's not like we've gone from being this kind of free-flowing, swashbuckling football inside to all of a sudden being lethargic because lots of players have been ill. As bad as it is that the players have been ill, there was nothing yesterday that looked out of place to me in context of this team over the course of the last 80 months. Been, there's been this sporadic, half-decent performance, but most of the time, we do seed territory, we do seed possession. We look lethargic because ultimately we don't actually do much with the ball. Um, and I think, going back to what Ben said, OK, we can turn on and say some of the players didn't pull their weight yesterday, but ultimately, I, I'm loath to blame the players when, like, look, I would say like, let's blame the players if we're a team that's been doing well for a significant amount of time, and we have this bad performance. You're like, well, you can't blame the manager for that. That was the players just not pulling away, basically. But this is a repeated. This is like a repeated pattern. It is. It is a pattern. So therefore, I'm loath to blame the players for the poor performances that are out there. When to me, it appears that the players don't have much direction. One example from yesterday: Ongisa, right? Ongisa do- he dominated the midfield, right? He, he dominated the midfield from basically the first minute, and he was just allowed to do that. Like, I think we could all see that. Say, like, okay, so Ongisa's like dominating the midfield, yeah. Who on the sidelines, i.e. the manager, the coaching staff, or on the pitch? Because I do really think that we're believe, well, we're lacking leadership on the pitch as well. I think there isn't there isn't a fulcrum in that side. Callum Wilson's an excellent player, but I'm talking about somebody who is kind of in the centre of the park, in the centre half, centre midfield, and is just a voice and a presence and is a kind of like a, an intellect on the pitch to a certain extent. And, and who could have turned on and said, right, you need to be here. Ongisa's doing this. You need to get on him. And, and that didn't happen. So I'm I'm loath to blame either the the players for being off the pace yesterday or COVID because, as I say, I think this is just kind of a normality. The the only thing I would say to that is, I think, and, and Hayden is the answer to that, Anguissa is by far and away a better physical specimen than, than Shelby Longstaff. And and so he was able to, to dominate because he's he's physically far far fitter than, than, than either of those players. And, and that's probably why we're not able to, to press because... Let's be honest, John Joe Shelby could not play in a high tempo pressing game where he's gonna to have to cover a lot of ground. He, he just won't be able to do that and, and it'll become more reliability if if we're we're playing like that and he can't get back into position. So I think that's where I, I think there's limitations in terms of press it. Yeah, yes, we, we should be able to do it better, but I think you've got a couple of things there. The other one was I mean, we we talked last week about how we, we thought um on the podcast that Jamal Lewis had, had had a couple of really poor games. Um, now maybe that's 
come into whether whether it's fitness or or whether it was was just down, down at form. Maybe Bruce has, has taken him out. But the problem is is that Paul Dummett is not a, a wing back. He's not a a, a, a traditional fullback. Really, he, he's a he's a centre back playing left back. Really, and um, does not get forward. And as you have already said, it cripples where as any sort of attacking partnership in an entity on the left because as I said you end up just with a winger having getting doubled up every time and and, and dumb it's not going to contribute in that phase of play so again that's where I'm I'm sort of kind of playing devil's advocate and saying we, we probably were either forced into the, the fact that we had to play Paul Dummett at left back um in this type of game where if we want to control the ball you can't play Dummett Dummett's your player that you you come in and if if you're expecting to be um, getting battered for for ninety minutes off a of a good team that are going to pin you back, but not in this game where you you've as you as you rightly said you've got DeAndre Yedlin playing basically as a right right winger for most of the game. You need that balance on the other side, and, and we didn't get that. So that that's where there's a, there's a couple of things I think just players' limitations is is kind of stopping us. And to be honest, again, I suppose that does come down to Bruce that if if he. If, if he's not going to address that issue by dropping those players or not playing them. So, for example, Shelby and Dummett probably shouldn't have played in that type of game yesterday. Um, then it's it's up to him to, to drop them. But he, he's obviously played, made that decision. Um, it's it's a, As I say, it's a tough one because I think he, he wouldn't have expected the game to go go the way it did uh, yesterday. Um, but I, I think there's, there's, there's reasons for that by the limitations of, of, of the players that are in the team. I think um, we, we've said for for months that some of the ridiculous formations that Bruce has tried to shoehorn players into just haven't worked, and he's he's had square pegs, round holes, etc. It was nice to see us just try and simplify it a bit and go four four two at home to a poor newly promoted side. And on paper, that should have worked. I think what's been really telling in the last two games, I mean, it was exposed against Leeds spectacularly. Is the um, and Norman? You've, you've you've made a good point about leadership. Um, it's it's that overall desire it seems to have, have have disappeared from the team, and and that comes from the manager. I think that whole mentality of of we're, we're losing it, and it's taken a while because we always said that this squad one thing that defines them is team spirit, and it's it's leaders like Lascelles, like Hayden, and Matt Ritchie. Um, you know, uh, it's that's Lascelles has been missing as a captain again for a, a week, and it's it's been blatantly obvious again that. We don't have anyone else who's stepping up to do that, but it comes back to the manager's mentality of uh, you know, oh lads will have a day off here and there, or don't give them such a hard time. This is the only, only way they can play. He constantly downplays the ability of his own players. He, he doesn't talk us up. He doesn't give everyone that kind of motivation to think, right, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a good game here. Um, and that I, I just I think we just didn't look like we believed in ourselves. It was just a, a distinct lack of of enthusiasm for for the game and. Um, I do, you do the one thing, and the problem with Lascelles is that he does he does give you that. He definitely gives people a, a kick up the arse, and he would have spotted that that something wasn't quite right yesterday, and that we needed to pull our fingers out. But he's regressed so much as a player that playing him is a risk now. Um, obviously, he's, he's presumably missing because of COVID. But uh, th- this is all this has all been a long time coming, in my opinion, and it's just the luck has run out in my visibly, and now. The, the team spirit seems to be crumbling and everything else that was going well for us in spite of Bruce, the manager, is now falling apart. And yeah, I'm really worried about where we add to the, what you've said, remarkable point total going forward. And it just feels like I'm out of time now and I'm sick of it. I just, it, something needs to change. Can't you better look for the goal though, right? <laughs> More goal. 
He's, he's oh, looked at him and run out with that, that penalty and that red card because, you know, I don't think it was a penalty or a red card, but uh, I, I see what you mean. Totally, totally. We would never score in that game, but for that hilarious penalty. Look, at full of one of Fulham's players in the warm-up getting injured, do you know what I mean? And, like, it's just... I've, I've done a Brentford podcast there with, with some lads from the B-Sorted podcast and were asking me about Newcastle United and said, what, well, asked me to sum up Steve Bruce at Newcastle United and I just said, lucky. Unbelievably. <laughs> the cup runs, the, it's just, I, I, I know, and I don't watch that much Premier League football apart from Newcastle for various reasons, mostly because there's no fans and grounds and I hate, I hate watching it without fans. But I know that Fulham had major problems early this season when they were pressed. Even Arsenal beat them by pressing them. And if you press them, they will give you the ball back. They will give you the ball back in dangerous parts of the pitch. And uh, and, and what? so we, our master plan is to give them 70% of the, the ball in the first half. Fulham still had more of the ball than us in that match, despite being down to 10 men for nearly half an hour. It, it, that shouldn't be allowed to happen. That should be a warning sign. But like everyone says, and I assume most people would agree listening, that that performance that we've seen, we've seen it before and we're going to see it again. And it's, Bruce is just so lucky there's no fans in ground. Could you imagine the reaction of, of, of fans in that ground last night? Um, seeing a performance like that and seeing the you know the lack of... I'll, I'll call it, and, and I don't think it's, it's just leadership. I, I don't think... You know, it was the old classic, oh, you know, Luke Edwards, is a friend of the show, has, has, has said this, and I thoroughly disagree with him. He said Newcastle fans just wanted a, a team who tries. Well, can you show me the effort in the last 10 minutes against Leeds on Wednesday when Leeds have got four against one at the back? Can you show me the effort yesterday? Um, it's it, You know, effort and leadership are, are, are more than just going in and crunching tackles and knocking players out and stuff like that. It's about taking a chance. It's about someone, like you say, Sai, Saying to their teammates last night, and it shouldn't, it should come from the sidelines, but it hasn't. But someone in that squad, someone in that team, a senior players, should be saying to the to the back four, you just need to push up. Maybe it should be Cardolo. You just have to pen Fulham in here. And if we get done on the counter-attack, we'll get done on the counter-attack. They've got 10 men. We're going to continue to push them. We're going to squeeze them in. We're going to make their back four retreat so deep that they're on the goalkeeper's toes. They're going to make their back four retreat so deep that they're going to try and hold the line that the likes of Miguel Moron or Dwight Gale are going to get in behind. We're going to be able to get Matt Ritchie into positions where he's going to cross the ball from just outside of the penalty area so that Callum Wilson's got at the end of getting something. But did any of that happen? No. And, and, why, and why not? How come... And I agree, I agree to an extent then with Ben. Like how come how come none of the players thought, fucking hell, this isn't working? Jesus Christ, this is painful. Why are we going sideways, sideways and backwards? You know what summed it up for me? End of the game, when we played five minutes um, stoppage time, we got that free kick. We ended up playing the ball backwards three times before we went in the box and it never went in the box. That that's like that's serious. That 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 is indicative of a team that that doesn't know what it's supposed to be doing, to be playing against 10 men in injury time and still not decide to get the ball in the box, that that's a fear. That's a fear of of, of, of not doing the right thing. That rather the whistle the whistle went than 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 take a punt with a straight ball through the middle into the penalty area. That that's a direct consequence of what happened last week, isn't it? <laughs> they, they didn't want to get caught with a five 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 man uh 
Funnily enough, I think yeah, 10, man Fulham, Ten Man Fulham might not have put like eight men ahead of the ball. <laughs> in that situation. Can I just? I'll have, I'll have one more thing I want to talk to you about, and it's a, it's a little bit off <laughs> off what we're talking about, but it's it's the cult of Joe Linton. And and before I start, Joe Linton was bad, but like you know, everyone was bad. I don't I don't think he's worthy of um, special discussion. But I do, I do believe, you know, I've, I've had some comments on Twitter today so I'm signaling them out. It's like, no, I said, I'm, I said the whole team were terrible. You're still allowed to talk about Joe Linton. It's not like some sort of rule where you're not allowed to talk about him. He's not Voldemort. Like, you can mention his name. You can talk about him. But I just, what I what I don't understand, because I think everyone would agree Matt Ritchie was, was dreadful yesterday, um, and, and everyone's fine with you saying that. But if you say on social media Joe Linton was terrible, there's an army of people waiting to say, well, why don't you have a good this player? Why do you go on this play? I don't know. I get your your taking it, lads. But one of the things which maybe it's I'm sure me age, but I get quoted all these stats. You know, stats like well, he, he made six carries yesterday, and it's like, and you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember when players were judged on like scoring goals and creating chances, and it's like no, I carried the ball six times. I carried it where, like. <laughs> Take the ball to B and Q if he wants. It's still going to be as like as <laughs> he is. passing accuracy. I thought he was just dreadful. I think I've tried to think that you know behind Callum Wilson, he's looked better, but it's gone from like two out of ten to four out of ten. And the only reason I'm probably picking on him a little bit more or highlighting him is he just he just can't get dropped. Like what's he, what's the what's the bloke going to do to get dropped? You know, I would love to see Almiron in that position. And if people listen to this thing, Almiron, shite and, and great, but Almiron's got five Premier League goals in about 50 games. Joe Litton's got two and 40. Um, like, I just I just can't get over watching him. And he might, he might play and score against Brentford now, but I just I just cannot get over the fact that Joe Litton's continuing to pick lads. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think, um, and again, I wouldn't want to single him out for this because I think several players did the same thing. Um, the most frustrating thing yesterday was Joe Linton is not a player to help you break a team down quickly uh, and Fulham, to their credit, whenever they lost the ball, they just got everyone behind it. Well, not everyone. Mitrovic was still somewhere in our half, but everyone else was behind the ball. Um, and when when we've got, and and, then, and Shelby and Longstaff also guilty of this, we were so slow at turning defence into attack of moving the ball into, into a threatening position. And Joe Linton was basically the, the worst for this. Like he's so slow, his touch is slow. He's he then passes it or or lays it off to someone, but he, then his movement off the ball is is really really rubbish, um, and it must be so hard for Wilson to try and find space himself when his his partner up front isn't really giving him that chance to to create space or to take a man with him. Or I just think uh, it it made us so easy to defend against because it was so predictable, and he just kind of jogs around in straight lines. And yeah, he might have he might have dribbled the ball for ten yards here and there, uh, carried it six times, as you say. But I don't remember that leading to anything, anything at all. Um, and yeah, you just want to see some spark, and he just hasn't got it. He's if he can't find create himself a chance against Fulham, then when is he going to? Like you're, you're right, it's it's baffling that he continues to be selected, and it, it raises big concerns about the the reasoning behind him getting so much game time. The um, six carries, quite interesting because. In what context is that being mentioned? Like, okay, right, you carried the ball six times and compared to who and that, okay, so carried the ball six times, that player carried it four times. So what's the difference between the two other than the fact that he carried the ball twice more in terms of what actually happened? What's the difference? There's no context to it, is it? 
So he carried the ball six times. Okay, sound. Right, oh, he ran three, ran three times. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing there. That's, it's like a nothing comment, is it? And yeah. Way, right? Again, it's it's horrible because, as you say, right, when no, nobody's targeting Joe Linton. It's talking about individual performances of players, right? And Joe Linton happened to have cost £40 million, right? So he's a, he's, a, he's a big money player. And because he's a big money player, his performances are going to get scrutinised more than somebody who cost £5 million. Although you could, to a certain extent, say Hosselu got analysed every single time he stepped on the pitch and he got analysed negatively. And I don't recall many people saying, well, how are you? scored a header against Chelsea, scored a header against Arsenal. You know, he won. He won four headers in a match. I don't recall people sticking up for him with the the Vemans that stick up for um for Joe Linton. The reality is, Joe Linton. He might be an okay player. I don't know. But as as long as he's been at Newcastle, there's been nothing there that's suggested to me that he deserves to be in that team ahead of Dwight Gale yesterday, for example. Straight swap. Alternatively, put Almiron in behind Wilson and put um Jake and Murphy on the left. Like there there are two up there. There's two options for me that would have been more effective than starting Joe Linton yesterday. So that's not me criticising Joe Linton as a player. That's me just saying, actually, I think, based on what I've seen of Joe Linton so far and the other players, there are better options than him. I worry about about the generation who, who view football through that prism. When I think of, like, great performances of James's part, even if you go, like, not the obvious ones. I remember Clarence Acuna coming in against Arsenal in... The FA Cup when we had to play Jamie McLaren and Acuna in the middle of the pitch against fucking Patrick Vieira and Acuna, he'd like everyone walked out of St James's Park. We should have won the game and we're beating the replay, but everyone was like fucking hell, Acuna. Neyone was like when he carried the ball six times, he, he made two lateral passes. Um, like just, just no, like Joe Linton is shite. Like he is, I'll say it, he's shite. He's not good enough. Uh, I'm Newcastle United fan who wants him to do well. Me and Sai stood at fucking Rochdale last year arguing with people who were giving him grief from the stands because I don't care how badly you're playing for Newcastle. I don't want anyone to like abuse what own players on the pitch, but I'm going to reserve the right to look to as someone who's seen him play live like 30 times in a small 50 appearances for Newcastle or whatever. He's, he's just simply not worth the place in this team. Norman, you've hit the nail on the head. Ryan Fraser and, and Almiron through the middle. Or just if Bruce keeps talking about playing two strikers, but we're playing one striker in, in Nay one. In Joe Linton, and he had, you know what, he had a good game against Crystal Palace. He, he is capable of a good game. He had a decent game against Burnley, but that's two in fucking fifteen this season. And like, no wonder you, you know, Bruce talks about consistency. How are you supposed to be consistent with Joe Linton your team? Yeah, there's good games as well, and they they're, they're literally the best performances we've had from him. And they would call them probably a solid seven. Every other one's been you know a four, five, or a six. His average rating in in football manager terms would be would be pathetic. Uh, and his best best two games were. Bang, bang, average. Um, what does that tell you? Like, w- he's not had an outstanding game for Newcastle in, in in a year and a half. He's not had one outstanding game. Ben, are you Bruce out? Are you are you, are you not quite there yet? I mean, I, I I don't think he's the right manager for for this team. Just because I think, I mean, you, you've kind of said it a few times. This this team don't really have the capability to to think for themselves. They, they can't work out problems for themselves. And I suppose that was one of the things you saw a lot with the, the previous manager. Um, he had to give a lot of instructions and, and kind of tell players where to be. And, and there was a lot of coaching going on in games. Um, the, now they're not getting that. You're seeing a lot of players, as you say, kind of lost lo- lost a bit on the pitch. And, and as you say, that that free kick where they didn't really have a plan what to do, that's, that's exactly a result of the fact that you've got players that kind of lack that confidence probably and 
and um and that sort of just just a clear clear sort of mind in terms of what we're trying to trying to do here um it's it's a tough one because because as 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 we say we're we are sitting on a decent points total at this point um and the it, it's a it's a tough one because as bad as the performances have been um <laughs> it somehow has been working but i i, I just think it's it, i have been i've always been i don't think bruce is, is the right manager for this team um and i i think we'd, we would do a lot better um to to get rid of him but um while while he's here i think it's a tough one like this it's not just I don't think it's necessarily all just about him being useless um, I think there is other factors as well um, I'm utterly utterly sick of, of talking about points totals um, it's it's just absolute clutching at straws and has been for a year and a half now we spent all of last season talking about oh he's got more points than Rafa did at this point he's got more points than we did last season in the end utterly meaningless because we finished 13th at the minute we sit I think we're 12th because of the point but there's other teams still to play and we'll probably be 14th by the end of the weekend. Um, that's it. The, the league is different every year. A points total is utterly meaningless. If you finish 13th with 50 points and then you finish 13th with 45 points, it's the same fucking thing. It's absolutely meaningless. And um, it's far more concerning the fact that we haven't evolved or progressed in any way, shape or form as a football team. There, I, I don't care what Luke Edwards said the, when we did that podcast. None of our players have got better. Lots of them have got worse. And that's that's what really matters. And yes, uh, we had a conversation yesterday, Dodds, about whether we should have uh, dropped, uh, you know, rested players for the cup game on Tuesday because that's the only fixture we've got left this season that really means anything. Um, although relegation could become a threat again, given the the fixtures we've got ahead. Um, and you 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 were kind of like unenthused about that because as soon as we play someone good, I, I, I agree. I can't see us winning. So it's it's the cup run is fairly meaningless until he proves that we can do something against a, a side in our division. Uh, I'm sick of it all. I'm sick of the points total in the quarterfinal of the cup being used as some sort of, well, you're wrong. He's doing a really good job because that's not, that's not how football works. And that's not how the Premier League works. Football leagues are different year on year. Sometimes those points are far more evenly spread. Sometimes every team has more points. So the fact we've got 17, 18 points now, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It just means the league's a bit more, a bit more random and a bit more um, evenly spread this week. You know, there's no front runners. There's the, the relegation zone isn't as um, apart from Sheffield. I think it's only like a point separates the next six or seven teams. So um, it's just not. I'm sick of it. The points total. We shouldn't talk about it. Yeah, just to clarify, I, I, I won't do that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Ben. Just, uh, just to clarify. I'm more for beating Brentford, obviously. And I, and I don't yeah. need to you know, if we get to a semi-final, we get beat to a good team. It's all right. That happens. That happens, you know. Like, good teams play well. Good teams have big game experience. Good teams have better players. It's fine. No issue with that at all. Um, would rather be in it to have a, have a go. What I'm not up for, and the reason I don't think Brentford's a massive game, is because if we do get a good team in the, the next round, we, we, we declare on a 2-0 defeat. Bruce, Bruce shows his hand pre-game, as he will against... Man, Man City unboxing in as he will against Liverpool even though West Brom can go to Man City and get a point even though Liverpool can go to Fulham um, and be held for a point and, and Fulham should have won that game in my opinion we will approach that game nothing like Fulham did we will not do what Aston Villa did to Liverpool and, and have a go at them and get men out of the ball we will roll over 
and die and say, just keep with the two or three lads and we'll move on to the next one and we're all happy. That's why I can't, I thought the Man City, Bruce, for me, I was done with them, that Man City game in the cup. Not the result, the result, we could have lost 4-0. It was the, 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 the cowardice the cowardice, the fact that we were never... And, and let's not forget, as Mark Corby correctly points out a lot, he, he rested uh, Dubravka, Shelby for that game, and uh, Joe Linton as well, who he played nearly every other game. So he actually played a weakened team in that game. And, uh, you know, for me, unless there's always a chance in football because you can win the next game, you can beat Brentford, which I don't think we will, and then you can get Man City in the semi-final and then you can beat them as well, or, or at least have a go at them. And I'd say, fair enough. He learned from that. He didn't make that mistake again, but I'm confident that he would do the exact same thing, if not worse. Uh, Norman, last thing for you on Bruce. Well, look, the points issue, as Simon said, that we can't mention anymore, but I will here. It's, it is irrelevant, as he says, because what's going to happen under Bruce and I, and I firmly believe this, and I genuinely hope that I'm proven wrong, right? Because I'm, you know, above everything else, I'm a Newcastle fan, right? I want to see my club do well. But the points per game record will regress. It will just con- it'll regress. It, this this won't last. This luck that we've had won't last. And there, is, there have been large amounts of luck. And as Sai says as well, the points are more evenly spread because of COVID. Um, and you know how we are with impact on on football in, in general. You know, um, like the kind of reality of the game and not having fans in the stadium and whatnot. Um, so for me, I, I just all all I can see, right? All I can see now, Bruce, is we're just gradually getting worse and worse and worse. So it's going to become more of a struggle and more of a struggle. And that's the frustrating thing. Um, but in terms of Bruce in, Bruce out, well, I'm, I'm kind of Bruce out because it's not going to change. It's not going to change, is it? So I think it's just a case of waiting for the inevitable. That's all it is, mate. That's all it is. I agree with you. I agree. Um... How are the lads in the second? <laughs> How are Bruce's, Bruce's uh, semi-final of the cup, Mags? How are you? <laughs> we will be back. Um on Tuesday night after Brentford with another free podcast on True Faith. If you like the show, please give us a, a positive five-star review on, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if that is your platform of choice. We've got a negative review this week, um, which said that we were too negative about the team, the magnificent high achievers. <laughs> we got we have the good fortune to watch. 18 points from 13 games, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, the stuff dreams are made of. Right, thanks, lads. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. To the True Faith podcast, we'll be back with you very soon. And however, let's beat Brentford and let's go and fucking do Man City on Boxing Day. And, and Bruce can ram ram this down my throats. How are the lads? <laughs>